0: Um, I'm looking forward this morning myself to hearing Marcus preach. There's a bit of a running joke uh, that Marcus very often does a better job in the two minutes at the end before the praise to sum up the full sermon in two minutes. And I think it probably was best shown when I stumbled through Psalm 1 a couple of weeks ago for about half an hour, and then Marcus stood up and in two minutes did a better job of summing it up and picking out two points from the passage. So. It's great to finally have Marcus to be given more than two minutes to to open up a passage for us, so I'm really looking forward to it. The passage that he's going to open for us this morning is Psalm 61. Everybody wants to just turn there in their Bibles. Psalm 61 is, lead me to the rock. Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth I call to you when my heart is faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the enemy. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May, be, may he be enthroned forever before God appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So, will I ever per- sing praises to your name as I perform my, voy- my vows day after day? I'm just going to pray for Marcus and us ourselves just before Marcus comes. So. Father, thank you for this morning. Thank you, as we've been chatting about already, for the privilege that it is to just be able to come here this morning to, to meet together, to worship your name, Father, And I pray you'll now help us, Father, as we we open up your Word. I pray you'll just bless this room, send your Spirit to this room, Father, and all the rooms with the teachings going on, Father, so that everything that you want to be heard this morning will be heard. Those points you want to emphasize will be emphasized, Father, and that we will all be pointed to Jesus and pointed to you. Amen.
1: Thanks, Pete, for that intro. <laughs> I, don't know, I have no words. I have no words. Um, yeah, we'll not get into that two minutes thing um, today. So, I want you to instead imagine, picture um, a 17 year old who is a um, country boy, brought up in the country, and uh, went to the same school, primary right through secondary. Never had the opportunity to, you know, had that transition from primary to secondary that I was talking about, really. Uh, So never had to meet a whole new bunch of friends. Surrounded by all the people in his school, it was uh, pretty much from Christian homes, or at least religious homes. Um, And going on, uh, if you're anywhere outside, sort of outside of a 20-mile radius of his home, was pretty much like going on holiday. So we never went anywhere, just home all the time. And, and then at the age of 17, gets launched up to Nut's Corner to an NAE training facility up in Nut's Corner. So um, I'm sure most of you have picked up that it's me at this point, uh, probably from the school reference. And yeah, we'll not go into that any more detail this morning. But imagine going there. This was me, 17 never been anywhere at all like went thought holiday with parents but was at home all the time and um i went to this nuts corner training thing got into this training scheme which was great really good opportunity um apart from the fact that it was me going to it and uh went in there was first second and third years all stayed residential at this place you stayed there during the week and i hated it i like i it was so bad I had no idea how to even interact with people who weren't Christians. I had no idea how to answer their questions. I had no idea how to respond to their taunts. They, like there was, they completely took advantage. The second and third years completely took advantage. of the first years, there was like a whole element of bullying going on. And here's this wee country boy stuck in the middle of it. No idea how to do anything. No idea. And I lasted... I remember going through the first few nights of it, and I hated that place. I mean, I think I got one week over, and then I think I got into my second week. Like, I was I was crippled in that place. I remember literally, like, going to my bedroom and literally crying, because it was like, I cannot stand this place. I remember I got to one point where I was ringing home, and obviously I had to use the payphone payphones thing you put money into actual physical money into you couldn't even touch your phone against it because you didn't have a phone to touch against it and it's it was a phone right so I had to go to this payphone and ring home and I remember like in tears my mom and dad said I, I I can't take this anymore I I just can't do this anymore and I remember mom and dad said oh so I will come up and get you and I remember the day they came up and got me I was I was standing out the road in my bag literally just waiting I don't even know if I told the place that I was leaving. I think I just walked out, and then we we'll had to ring them later. Oh, disaster. But in that moment, I just lit, I was literally crying out. I just I just couldn't take it anymore. And um, in our psalm today, you'll see that our psalm starts off with these words as well. The psalmist here is crying out. Now, obviously, we're not exactly sure what his circumstances are, but whatever was going on. A bit like for me, he is now crying out, and he's crying out to God. And um, as we look at this, going through this psalm this morning, I want us to look at just briefly what, what, where his heart is at this moment. So what is the position of the psalmist? What's going on? And then let's look then more at his response into the prayer prayers to God. And so he's here. Um, you'll see from these first few verses that um, verse 2 says that his heart is faint, or other translations will say overwhelmed. And that word in the original really carries this meaning of almost like a, like a shroud is over him, or he's covered with a shroud. So it's almost like his circumstances are, he feels like they're closing in around him. They're so heavy. Um, verse 2 says, From the ends of the earth I called you. So this would give the impression that he... He perhaps is far away from home. He's probably far away from Jerusalem, his home. But he's at least he feels far away. He feels distant. He feels alone. He's crying from the ends of the earth. And in verse 4, the second half verse 4, says, let me take refuge under your shelter. And so he's, he's seeking refuge. And so you can get some idea of what, how, where he is and how he's feeling. Right? He feels that whatever circumstances are, They are so heavy, there's almost like a darkness around him that is shrouding over him. He feels completely overwhelmed by it all. And in his circumstances, his circumstances lead him to cry out. So these circumstances now, like in verse 1 he says, Hear my cry, O God, listen to my prayer. And so here's the psalmist now you, you, ident- we'll identify with this in very different ways. So I don't know what's going on in your life, maybe what has gone on, what is going on. Um, maybe even for some of the young people here, you can feel an element of this, because maybe this thing's going on in your life and you haven't told anybody about it. Maybe it's something that's going on, maybe in the online world. Maybe it's just something that you're just feeling. You don't know why you're feeling this darkness, this heaviness. Or maybe for us as old, for older people, we... We, we know what's going on, and it's just really heavy and weighing in on us. And maybe for you, it's the same thing. Maybe you have physically cried out, or maybe just internally, your heart is just broken and overwhelmed, and it's crying out. Well, this is where the psalmist is. He cries out, and he cries out to God. Now, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking, I think sometimes that we can struggle to do this in the midst of the pain. Um, I think sometimes our crying just stays at crying and doesn't move to crying out to God. Sometimes I think we try to fix things ourselves, and then that leads to frustration and hopelessness. Uh, we can be sometimes just so weary that we don't, we don't even have the spiritual strength to, to even pray to God or just to cry out to Him. We're we can't even string a couple of words together to God. Maybe it's, the, 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 maybe it's just the worry and the panic and the stress. It's, it's such a thick cloud over us that it's, it's sort of smothering our prayers of faith. And we just don't have the strength just to exercise our faith in God to pray out to Him. Maybe it's disbelief that anything good can come of what's going on. And our circumstances can just silence those prayers of faith. And if this is you this morning, then I pray that God will give you the strength, just the strength to not just cry, but cry out to him and pray to him. Now, as a church, I think as a church, we have a vital role to play in this. And... I think that we as a church need to be stepping into these situations and interceding for those around us. I think we see examples of this in John 17. Jesus, our ultimate example, says, I'm praying for them. I'm not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So here's Jesus praying for us, praying for you while he was on this earth. Ephesians, in Ephesians 3, I love this prayer of Paul's for Ephesians. So listen to this prayer in Ephesians 3, verse 14 to 20. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. So I love it here. Paul is praying for the Ephesians that they would just have the strength to believe. Just have the strength to believe. And I think for us as a church, this is where we can act, one way that we can act as a church, as a family. In Cornerstone, I am so thankful that we have people that do this. I'm so thankful that there are people in this church who, um, who can, see, can see a hurting, hurting soul behind this sort of brave face. So they can see a, a heart that is broken and overwhelmed even when that heart is hiding behind a brave face. They see someone in need without having to be told that person's in need. They've just got the, God has given them these eyes to see this. And then they plead with God on behalf of that person. And so this is a vital role as, for us as a church. It's a vital role for us. In Galatians 6, 2, it says, Bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. First Timothy 2 says, First of all, then I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. God wants us to do this as his people there's people in our church, and there will be, always be people in our church that will need this. And so well, can I ask you, when you're on your own at home, can you pray and ask God, take a minute just and ask God, who is it, who is it today, God, that you need me to pray for? Or you need me to intercede for today? And listen to His Spirit. I and mean, He put people in your mind. Pray for that person. You have no idea the power of that prayer and what God can do with that. Or when you're in a gathering like this, we have to be careful we don't just come and be consumers. And one way not to be a consumer is if we're in this gathering, at the, even during the service or when it's over, take a minute and just step back and say, right, God, who is it today that needs someone to come alongside them? Who is it today that needs someone to pray for them? Who is it today whose heart is overwhelmed? And yet maybe you don't see this in the outside. And then go to that person and pray with that person and be with that person crying. Let's ask God that He will help us to move our crying just from crying to crying out to Him. And believer, I pray this morning that God will give you the strength to move from just pondering your problems. And this is what I do, right? I, I think where I go wrong is I, I, I just, when, I, when something is consuming me, I, I just think a lot about it. You know, it just it's just always going on in my mind. But it doesn't sometimes move from thinking a lot about it to actually bringing it to God. And so I'm praying, if that's you this morning, that God will give you the strength to bring it to Him who is the Almighty. So what then does the psalmist here do? Well, he prays. What is his prayer? Look at um, the first thing. he He prays, and as he prays to God, there's three sort of pictures of God that he prays here as he goes through these few verses. Look at the first one in verse 2. The second half of verse 2 says, Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. So he's He's scared. He's anxious. He's probably fearful. Whatever it is that's going on around him, he needs protection and he needs shelter. And so he thinks, well, the obvious place for this, the best place for this is if I can get to that rock, the rock that is towering above all other mountains, all other rocks, that rock that is solid, that rock that is unmovable, even amidst all of the, un- the the changing scenery around me there's one thing that's not going to change is that rock so that's my best place that's the hiding place that i need to get to that rock is that rock that is it's going to be impenetrable by the enemy he knows that if that's if he is there that he'll be safe he knows he'll be able to find shelter from the raging storms there will be and also when he's there, he knows he will be able to gain a better perspective on things. He knows that if he gets that rock, and as he is there at that wrong rock, his surroundings uh, is, is as if as he looks on them now, and as he looks down on the enemy, or as he looks down on the raging storm around him, or looks down on whatever it is that's causing him this to be fearful and causing to cry out, um, it'll still be very present, still be there. But now suddenly, it won't look as big from the perspective of the rock, from where he's standing. Now, suddenly, as he's standing on this rock, suddenly the, the enemy or suddenly the storms don't look as bad, then. they don't look as, as threatening. Suddenly, he knows, as he feels the rock on his back, as he's standing on this, as he's hiding this rock, suddenly he feels the, the enormity of this huge mountain, this rock that he's now embedded in. And suddenly then, the other things don't seem so threatening. They don't seem as scary and so he knows that that's where he needs to be on this rock. And for us as believers, for us as God's people, whenever um, whenever problems, whenever the problem in front of us looks insurmountable, and only you will know right now what is it that's in your life that is appearing insurmountable, what is, the, what is going on in your life that is just seems to be right here, and you can't even see past it. You can't see a, way, see a way around it. In those moments, what we need to believe is that there is a rock and that rock is higher than I. That's what David prays. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He needs to get to somewhere that is bigger than him and bigger than whatever it is that's going on around him. And so in those moments, we need to believe that God is bigger than that problem. Believe that God is over that problem. We need to see him as being bigger and higher than us. So much of the time, I don't know for you, but so much of the time, whenever life's going okay, I can have this big view of God. Oh yeah, God's sovereign over all things. And God is, he is so powerful and yeah, creator of all things and control of all things. He's, yeah. And then suddenly this big problem comes into your life and suddenly What can happen is God can get smaller in our minds. And then you start to think is He sovereign over all things? Is He able to change this? And all that's happening there is this rock is suddenly then becoming just a hill. He's becoming less now, and our problems are becoming bigger. And so in those moments, what we need to remember, and we need to remember that God is still the unchangeable rock. He still is sovereign over all things at all times. He still is the eternal God. He still is the all-powerful God. He still is the all-knowing God. He still is the ever-present God. We need to have a correct and high view of God. This is why we're always encouraging you and why John over and over again, encourages you to make sure you listen to the right thing. Make sure what you're listening to and what you're reading to is fully grounded in God's Word. But here's the problem. The psalmist knows that he can't get to this rock on his own. Right? He knows and believes that the rock exists and it's the only place he can go to for refuge. He needs to, but, he, but he also knows he needs to be led there. So he, that's why he prays here, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. He's, he knows that it, in the theory of it, he knows that there is a rock. He knows that it's higher than I. But he can't get there on his own. He needs to be led of God. He's saying, God, show me where this rock is. Open my eyes to see it. I want to actually see it. and Lead me in the path. How do I get to this rock? Lead me in this path. And for us, in the midst of our circumstances, I think so often we can know the theory, can't we? We can know the theory that, that, that God is big and God is overall. But sometimes our circumstances can prevent us from bringing that theory into reality. And there's a huge difference, isn't there, there's a huge difference in knowing that this God exists. There's a huge difference in knowing that and actually believing it in, in a way that actually changes how we feel in those circumstances. And we need God to lead us to him. So he isn't just this distant mountain that we know of, but he's the rock that we actually take shelter in. And so believer this morning, pray and ask him to lead you there. And, and being led, this is not a passive thing. Right? I think it's important to see this, that when, God, when, when the psalmist asks God to lead him to the rock, it's, there's an activity there for the psalmist. He's, he doesn't say to God, will you just carry me there? No, he's saying, will you lead me? You go before, I'll follow. you. But you, you lead me, show me the path to the rock. And there's an activity there, isn't there? Actively pursuing God. And for us, we have to actively pursue a proper understanding of God. We'll not just gain an understanding of God. We'll not just suddenly know a proper understanding of God. We need to actively pursue a proper knowledge and understanding of God and who He is. And so, actively pursue it in your lives in whatever way. Go to His Word, right? Go to His Word, see who God really is, For young people here, and this is for older as well, but for young people, build up your reserves now, right? Build up your knowledge of God now, right? Start understanding who He is now. Because if you don't need that now, you will need it in the future. The only thing that will get you through certain circumstances is knowing who God actually is. And so, get into God's word, whatever it is. Get a daily devotional, whatever it is. Don't just think this is for older people. We need to be in God's word now, finding out who God is. And you'll notice the psalmist another thing that he does here: lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge and strong tower against the enemy. For you have been my refuge. Are there times in the past when you have witnessed God's power? Young or old. They don't switch off if you're a young person and think, oh, well, I'm not old enough to know. There probably are times. Are there times in the past that you've witnessed God's power? Please don't ignore those. Look back on those and think, hang on a minute. But I had an insurmountable, what I thought was an insurmountable problem back then, and I nearly forgot about that. But God has brought me through that. Look at how he helped in the past and use that to bolster your faith now in him now today. So God, he is a rock that is higher than I. Look to him. What's the next image of, picture of God that the Psalms praise here? Verse 4, let me dwell in your tent forever. Now this is a bit of a contrast, isn't it? You go from a rock, a solid rock and now he's, he's, he's He's praying about a tent. Now, a tent isn't necessarily a thing that I've been wanting to run to. We, we had an experience with a tent. Our first experience with a tent wasn't a good one. I'm not going to lie to you. It was up at the top of the hill, the Binghams. You know, we thought, we'll give it a test run. Maybe during COVID, was it? Just before COVID? I can't even remember. I don't want to remember. Right? But it was like, we've got this big six-man tent. And we thought, oh, but great idea. We'll pitch it up at the top of the hill there. You know, it was the only flat place we could find around our, our house. It just happens to be at the top of a hill where there's wind turbines. I know you'll think well, that was a bit of a silly idea, but yeah, we're all simple creatures, and make mistakes. So that was all we could get. So we pissed it up there. Great day, Oh, sun shining, brilliant. Thought, right, we'll do that. Just, just, just a test run. We'd never been camping before, and I thought we'll, we'll take ourselves off now to Newcastle, and uh, or something. Like it was mad to some of the moor mountains. Can't remember, remember where it was. We'll go for a walk up the mountains. Great, kids all packed up, sun shining. It's gonna be a great we experienced. and uh, as we went the wind started building up and started getting stronger and stronger, and then we started meeting people coming back down the mountain, and then we started meeting people who actually stopped us, seen us with kids, and said, how far you? are you thinking to going?" We are like, "Ah, I don't know, Just probably. I don't know really. Wouldn't we going too far? It's pretty windy. We had to turn and come back, All right." All right then, we'll best not go. Turn to come back. By the time we got to the tent, it wasn't good. Wind was howling, rain was going, it was, it was bad. And I can assure you, in that tent <laughs> that night, um, we were sitting, we thought, we'll just try and play it cool here. Stick on a wee movie or something for the kids. We'll sit in, it's fine. As we're sitting watching the movie, all I could see was the bottom of the tent going against the side, right? I walked outside in the storm and I realized that half the pegs had pulled out. And I'm all the time thinking, maybe this is normal for tent people, right? Let's not be stupid about this. It got so bad that we literally ended up packing the kids up and taking refuge in the house, not in the tent, right? And and me and Jane packed up the tent in the storm and the rain, and it was horrendous experience, right? So that tent was not a place in the storm that we were running to for shelter. So why is David now suddenly saying, oh, well, let me dwell in your tent forever? Well, For David here, he's thinking the tent for him, he'd have been thinking back to the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was that place where where God's people gathered to worship God. It was a place where God's presence was. And this is what David is thinking back as he's thinking about this tent. He's like, oh God, I want to be where you are forever. That's where I want to be. And at the minute it feels far away from you, but I want to be close to you. I want a proximity to you. I want to be back in that place where we, we gathered, God's people gathered to worship you. Yes, we brought our sacrifices and we're reminded in that of how you've forgiven us for our sins, but it's a place where God's people were cl- felt close to you. You can imagine as he would have been walking through that outer surround of the tabernacle, imagine seeing the, the Holy of Holies in the distance, thinking that's That's where the presence of God is. Can you imagine the atmosphere as they would have been there together? Knowing that the king of all was there with them. And he longed to be where God was. He longed to be close to God in that moment. And for us in the midst of our pain and tears, this is where we need to be. Right? don't in the midst of our pain and tears, don't just turn to escapism in Netflix, something that'll just numb your mind for a bit. Yes, during that 45 minutes, it might be good, but the minute you switch it off, it's not good anymore. Don't even turn to escapism in your sleep. I remember, I used to like long to go to sleep. Because it's the one time I wasn't thinking about other stuff. But then the minute you got up, your mind switched on again. And you're like, back to square one again. Where do we need to run to? In the midst of our pain, we need to seek God. Seek His presence. Seek proximity to Him. First Chronicles 16.11 says, Seek the Lord and His strength. Seek His presence continually. It's not, it's not that God's playing hide and seek. God doesn't play hide and seek with us. He doesn't know come and find me, you'll see if you can find me. Nobody knows that that our minds can be so distracted off him. And we go to seek other things and we search out other things to help us. And God said, No, 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 come and seek me. Turn your mind to me. I like, come to me. And we have to fight for that, don't we? It doesn't just happen. It doesn't just happen. But by closing our eyes and waiting, we need to, we need to, we need to go after God. We need to fight those thoughts in our mind. So I don't know what the enemy is for you right now. I don't know what the challenge is for you right now. But we need to fight the thoughts in our mind that leaves us feeling hopeless and can pull us into dark places where we feel that there's no way out. We need to fight those. And the way we fight those is by looking to God and seeking Him in it, seeking the truth of His Word. 2 Corinthians 10 says this, For though we walk in the flesh, we are not waging war against the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised. Many times, those aren't by in a debate room, those aren't by somebody external. Most of the time, those arguments are in our minds. Most of the time, the war is in our minds, or at least starts in our minds. And we need a war against those. And how do we war against them? Well, we take up the weapons, the army that God has given us. God has given us the weapon to fight against those, to wage war against those. But we've got to pick it up and we've got to wield it at them. Now, let me read a wee article. Just, um, it was from um, Ariel Wellens, who's a Christian counselor, and she wrote an article on the Gospel Coalition site. And she says, we, are st- we all struggle with discouraging thoughts and emotions, especially amid trials. While we may not be able to stop experiencing a specific thought or emotion, we can choose to define reality by the truth of God's Word rather than by our own minds. We take captive every thought by bringing truth to mind and choosing to believe His promises, no matter how we feel in the moment. We need a solid knowledge of truth to effectively take thoughts captive. By studying and meditating on Scripture, we build up a foundation that allows us to answer our thoughts and emotions with God's Word. So what do we need to do? How do we do this? How do we build up? How do we fight the thoughts in our mind with the truth of Scripture? Well, we need to know the truth, don't we? We need to regularly feed on God's Word. Feed your mind on Scripture Listen to worship music that is good and that teaches about the character of God and the truths of Scripture. Go for a walk. Whatever it is that helps you experience God, whatever it is that helps you know the presence of God, whether it's maybe going for a walk and experience His presence through creation. Listen to good podcasts podcasts that are rooted in Scripture and make regular reference to Scripture. Whatever it is, seek God's presence. Seek God in those moments. Do whatever it takes to help you know and feel the presence of God rather than just listening to your thoughts. Take captive those thoughts through the truth of Scripture. And then the final one that he likens God to, he says, let me re- let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. Whenever Jane was child minding, I had um, this thing, you know, where there's a new family come in, you know, a new child and all, and I always, I always kind of want to get, you know, I want the child to like me. Right? So you kind of want to get, you know, wanna, you know, the child comes in them all like, you know, I'm trying to be all like, you know, kiddy and all. Like, yeah, I do like kids. Right? So I kind of like to kind of play with them and all. So, and, you know, I'll get down and go, oh, how are you? It depends what age they are, obviously. Um, but um, relative to their age, I'll interact with them in some way. And um, But sometimes you get the kids now. You do get the kids who don't like that. You get the kids who. are Extremely shy, and some kids just don't like boys. I've discovered, which is fine, right? So in- inevitably, I'll go down and I'll be all like, you know, and you'll just see the child as if like freaked out completely. They're, their their mum and their dad or their carer's there, and they're, they just they just go right into their parent, right in. And sometimes what they'll do is they'll even grab the parent's arm and pull it over them, I like guess, almost just to cover them because this scary being that's coming towards them. Um, so. Or maybe you've had a child, and maybe you're, you've been somewhere with your child, and, and you've you've sensed that they're nervous, or you've seen that they're nervous, or you've seen some danger coming their way, or anything. And what's the first thing you do? You sort of just grab them, you pull them in, and or you and you pull your arm over them. It's just it's like a natural parent reaction to do. Well, I, I think I think this here is the image that we're seeing here in verse four. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings right we we get this idea here that um there's shelter and there's safety from whether it's the the danger ahead or just the elements around there there's shelter to be found in the wings onto the wings of God It's as if God is sort of saying you know if you if if these elements or this danger is going to kill you, well, it's going to have to kill me first because you're, you're under my wings. so it's going to have to come through me to get to you. That's, that's, that's how I'm going to shelter you here. Now, for us as believers, it's important to know that, it's important to remember that God, Satan, can't, Satan can't steal your salvation. Right? Satan can't snatch you out of the Father's hand. You're safe and secure in him. You're sealed by the Holy Spirit. Right? So so your your salvation is secure in him. So nothing can take that you, you, nothing can Satan can't break you off from the Father. He can't snap you off like a branch. But what he can do is he can do all he can to strip the fruit of you. You know this fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, all those things, he can start picking those fruit off. And one of the fruit that of the Spirit is what? It's peace. Oh, he loves to strip that fruit off you. Take the peace away from your mind. I, I, we had a, we have still, I think, um, a gooseberry tree that I planted, or I think it was actually Jane's dad planted. And um, this year, I don't really got great gooseberries, but this year, there were like loads of them. I was like, oh, on a winner. And every week I'd go up and I'd like, they're getting close, they're getting close. And I'd pick another one off, so we'd leave it hard to get off, maybe not. Put it in my mouth. Grr! I was like, nope, not ready yet. And then remember one day I was picked one off, they were starting to go red. And I was like, oh, they're getting, and I, and I had it, and I was like, pretty good now. I, you know, I'll just leave it, I think for another couple of days. And then let's get the harvest here. It's going to be great. No joke. The next day I went out. The whole bush was stripped. I mean, there wasn't even one gooseberry on that bush. And it wasn't our kids. It wasn't they didn't do it, I don't think. Well, they said they didn't do it. Right? But I'm assuming it was the birds. Literally, in a day, they had the whole thing stripped. And I was raging. Raging. Now, the bush is still standing. And hopefully we'll get, you know, fruit next year again. But all the fruit stripped off. And I think that's what Satan loves to do. He loves to fly in and he loves to strip all the fruit off it. And if he can, rip, if he can strip the, the fruit of peace out of your life, oh, he loves that. He loves that. And so in the midst of whatever it is that threatens to strip these, this fruit out of our life, whether it's circumstances or illness or hurt or whatever it is that's threatening the peace in your life, we need to we need run to the Father for shelter under His wings. We need to run to prayer and run to the promises of His Word to find shelter there. Don't just idly, don't just idly as if you're like, almost like standing out in the middle of a farmyard, as a chick would just stand out in the middle of a farmyard. Don't just idly stand there and just watch all the things happening around you and just be like overwhelmed. There's something we can do in that moment. We can run to the Father. And run for the shelter of His wings. Run to the shelter of His word. Run to the shelter of His promises. Run to Him. We can... Whatever the experience is that is happening in our lives. And whenever we do this, whenever we run to Him, it's a, it's a different... makes a difference then, isn't it? It's a different experience looking at our circumstances through the overshadowing protection of God's promises revealed in Scripture. It's a different perspective then we're gaining, isn't it? And so this morning for us, whatever it is, whatever it is that we're going through, and maybe there's things that no one else knows about, church today, Right. When we finish today, how about we all do this? We just silently pray, right, God, who do we need to pray for today? Who do we need to go get alongside today? And then just just go for that person. Just go to, go to them or just pray for them. But for those of us who are experiencing those really overwhelming feelings and circumstances at the minute... God is a rock that is higher. Remember that God is a rock that is higher than you, that is higher than your circumstances, that is higher than whatever it is that has gone on, the bleak landscape that you're seeing at the minute. God is higher and over all of that. Remember that in His presence, there is fullness of joy. Fullness of joy. So plead with Him for His presence and actively do all to pursue it. Know His promises Right? Know His promises. Stand on His promises. Actively stand on them. Choose to stand on His promises. Don't just know them, but say, okay, well, give me the strength now, God, to actually believe this in this moment, that this is who you say you are, and this is the control you have. Help me to actively choose to stand on your promises rather than just allow the thoughts of whatever it is going around me to cripple me in this moment. Ask Him to give you the faith to believe in them. And believer, know, know that you are hidden under the shelter of the Almighty's wings today. Let me pray for this. Father. You know that there are days when we just. Um, long for you to return. Then all pain and sickness and sadness and oppression and depression and anxiety and panic and fear and all of those things are gone for all eternity. God, you know how we long to dwell in your tent for all eternity. But God, while we're here on this earth, I pray that you'll help us to run to you. Help us to know that you aren't a rock that we'll experience in the future, but you're a rock that is present now. Help us to see you as being the only true rock, the only true shelter in the midst of storms. And God, I pray that you'll help us to be people who run to you. Help us to be people who know their God Help us to be a people who rest in the knowledge of God. And, God, I pray that you will help us to be a people who run for the shelter of your wings. Help us not to run for other things. Help us not to be those who run to other things in escapism but God, help us and give us the faith to believe that you are the only true shelter in the midst of the storm. And God, I pray that we will experience joy in the midst of pain that can only be found in you. I pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen.